Welcome to the Arena Church Podcast. We hope you enjoy the message. If you've been here many times, God's got something to say to you. And so um, there's going to be a couple of verses that are called, uh, just the, the, the foundational verses of our Promises series from 2 Corinthians 1.20 and Psalm 119 and verse 50. Let me read them to you. Uh, for no matter how many promises God has given They are yes in Christ, and so through him they are many spoken to the glory of God. The promises couldn't be the promises if Jesus hadn't done what he did. Everything revolves around him. And so all the promises that are given uh, have the amen in Christ. Then Psalm 119 verse 50, which in a context talks about some of the challenges of life, says your promises preserve my life. Um, Last week, Christian opened up this series with a great introduction. He he reminded us of uh, some of the ways in which promises work, how they can wash over our life for a season uh, in a particular challenge. And there are people here that are carrying life promises. And so when Annie was encouraging us this morning just to think about the promises of God, I'm going to a promise that sits over my life in this season. I'm confessing it again. I believe that God's going to bring all the fullness of what he wants to do. And it's the same for you. And when I think about promises in the Bible, I think about them like a rich seam of coal. Now, uh, this area and up, up the M1 to Mansfield, of course, traditionally is a great mining area. And for numbers of reasons over the years, uh, some of them economic, some of them environmental, the mining industry uh, has diminished. And uh, that's caused a lot of issues at times in people's lives. But the reality is over years, engineers would be looking uh, where uh, coal could be mined. And of course, there are other uh, uh, raw materials that are mined in various ways around the earth. But a rich seam of promises... And uh, I want to encourage you this morning to come along with me on this message. And I want to encourage you this morning uh, for you to dig for the promises, for you to pick them out, uh, for you to bring them to life for you. Because when you do, they start to define you and you start to live in the blessing of them. Now, Bible commentators tell us there are around about three to three and a half thousand promises in the word of God. So you've got a lot to go out. You've got a lot of mining to do. You've got a lot of digging to do. You've got a lot of applying to do. And uh, I encourage you this morning to do exactly that. Now, last week, the message entitled was God's promises a comfort in need. And Christian reminded us that God is always with us and that God takes hold of us. He draws us to himself. This week, we're going to the second message and the title will come up. Not only promises comforting us in need, but also promises that counter in the challenge. And we've got a verse there. It's a promise. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. Now, a lot of Christians don't live like this. They're always in, if you're always in defeat, there's something wrong. Because greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. So this morning, not only do promises comfort is in need, but they counter in conflict. The context of this verse from John 4 is to a backdrop of error. The reason that the first letter of John was written was to counteract error, Gnosticism. 
people that said they had a special revelation of truth, but actually denied the reality of Jesus. It's also in a context of Antichrist. Did you know the Bible speaks more about the spirit of Antichrist than the Antichrist? In other words, people that are against Jesus. It's in that context that this promise comes. This morning, as we've heard that prophetic word, we're believing that every chair in this building is going to be filled, Mansfield and wherever. We believe that we're going to start to get embarrassed about there's not enough room in our 10.30 service and we've got to think of another one. And we're believing that God's going to touch us. But the reality is there are people out there anti-Christ against him. There are people in your workplace, in your school environment, in your college. There are antichrist. It doesn't mean they're horrible people. They're just against him. And in that context, in that situation, in that environment that you are placed to tomorrow, and we have today to get you ready for tomorrow, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You don't have to go fearful tomorrow. You don't have to be intimidated. You don't have to be apologetic for your faith because the Lord's with you. He's in you and he wants you to overcome. So it's to that context that the promise came. This morning, if you've never become a Christian, the Bible says that you serve darkness. Now, don't walk out or fall out with me. It's just the reality. We all did. And God wants to bring you out of darkness into light. He wants you to know a change in your life. For those of us that are Christians this morning, God says, I want you to prevail. I want you to overcome. I want you to be people that take hold of the promises of God and counter in conflict. Now, let me just get it out there straight away this morning. What is our attitude to the devil, Satan, Lucifer, the angel of light, Beelzebub, whatever his name is? Well, we can fall into two extremes, and this quote's going to come up that helps us, I think, to stay balanced. Let me read it to you. This is from C.S. Lewis, Chronicles of Narnia, Fame, etc., who became a devoted follower of Jesus in later life. He says there are two equal and opposite errors that man falls into regarding the devil. One is to disbelieve his existence. Huh! That bloke at the front's talking. Is he going to come through the door in a minute? We have fork in his hand. So, so we get cynical. A cynic. The other is to believe with an excessive and unhealthy interest. That might be you. You're always watching things dark. You're always thinking about things dark. You're obsessed with this. It's imbalance. He, the devil, is equally pleased with both Herods and hails the materialist and the magician with equal delight I don't have time this morning friends to talk about the origins of the enemy I don't have time to talk about all of his characteristics I don't have time to talk about where he came from you're gonna to have to come to the arena ministry school in 2020 to find out all that but the reality is we have light and we have dark and to and to deny darkness in the earth frankly is crass it's all around us we can walk in the light or we can walk in the dark John 3 Verse 19, just after verse 16, which we really like, says men love darkness rather than light. So there's a balance. And this morning, I'm going to mention his name, but the reality is the promises are that we are called to overcome the evil one. Now, I like balance. Sharon says it's my middle name. I'll take that. I have got a middle name. I'm not telling you what it is from the platform, but... but, but um, 
But I like balance. If I'm on a plane, I like balance. Two wings, please. <laughs> if I'm driving my car, I like the wheels to be balanced. Otherwise, you... I don't know what they do at Quick Fit when they tap that little seg into the wheel, but it seems to work. I must ask them sometime, actually. I like balance when I'm standing here this morning and not toppling over. Those of you that are into accounts, financial audits, bookkeeping, you like the bottom line to balance. The football coach that's getting his team ready for the new season does not need everybody to be lean or messy. He's looking for balance. Balance is good. Balance is not boring. Balance is not mediocre. Balance is not safe. Balance is God. God says, speak the whole counsel of God. Balance. We've had people that have come to our church and won't be part of it because they want us to run to an emphasis. And we determine in our church to be balanced. We're not going to be pushed down a particular... In fact, I don't believe that God can build a true prevailing church on an emphasis. All they get are people that agree with the emphasis. That's the only people that come to that type of church. So the whole counsel of God, balance. And here, friends, we don't deny the enemy. We don't deny his existence. We don't get obsessed with him. We're not, uh, we're not uh, uh, forever thinking about him. We're not forever speaking about him. We don't deny him. We recognize that he wants to come and harm all of our lives. But the balance is that we recognize that there's a God that wants us to prevail. So this morning, in the moments that we've got, I want to, us to look at this. As I was thinking about talking about the enemy, talking about darkness. I thought about that guy that used to do Crime Watch, Nick Ross. The program used to come on about 9 o'clock. I don't know whether anybody can remember. It'd go 9 till 10. Then we'd have the news, 10 till 10.40, you know, local. And then they'd come back on to see if they caught anybody that night. <laughs> but then about quarter past 11, you've been watching this for two hours. He says, by the way, don't have nightmares tonight. <laughs> can you remember? Don't have nightmares, you know, because we're all thinking, whoa, wouldn't if they... Wouldn't if they and the reality is, friends, we take this very, very seriously. But we don't want you having nightmares. We don't want you becoming obsessed with dark. We want you to become overwhelmed with light. That's what works. That's what works. But here, very realistically this morning, as we claim the promise of God, are five problems. Five problems that the enemy brings to us. I'm going to give us five promises that if you'll implement them, if you'll confess them, if you'll dig for them, if you'll apply them, I'll tell you, without equivocation, they work every time. Number one, the enemy is a tempter. And if you think you're tempted, remember Jesus was. Matthew chapter 4, verses 1 to 11, Jesus was tempted in the wilderness. We could not have been here this morning if Jesus had caved in. The Bible says in Hebrews that Jesus was tempted in all points like we are. I don't want to press it this morning, friends, but when it says all points, it means all points. And it goes on to say that because Jesus was tempted in all points, he has empathy, he has understanding, he has compassion with those of us that are tempted. Now then, what happens when we're tempted? Well, the Bible says that if we will submit to God and resist the devil, guess what? He will flee 
from us. Let me just uh, mention a few things about temptation. Number one, temptation. Here's, here's misunderstandings. Somebody says temptation is a sin. It's not. Someone says God is disappointed and displeased when we are tempted. He's not. Someone says to be strongly tempted means we are guilty as if we'd actually committed the wrong. It doesn't. Someone says that we would overcome temptation if we all lived by separation. In other words, we all signed up to be abbots and, and, uh, and nuns and we all went and lived in a safe place with walls around it. Guess what? The enemy would still be there. You'd still be tempted. And number five, somebody says, when I'm spiritually mature, I will no longer be tempted. Well, if only. If only. So I've been on this Christian journey quite a long time. I would love it if I was never tempted again. But the reality is, he comes to us and he tempts us. Now, um, some time ago, um, somebody sort of tried to come into our airspace. And a few years ago, out of a connection with an RAF chaplain at RAF Coningsby in Lincolnshire, I was inside the ropes uh, by privilege of uh, uh, touching a spitfire and uh, seeing where the RAF typhoons are stationed. And these, these guys are ready to go. So if something invades our space that looks dodgy, these guys are ready to go. And an incredibly powerful fighter plane. Because something comes on the radar that invades the space of the nation. And that's what temptation does. It comes to invade the space of your heart. And as somebody says, expect it, detect it, and reject it. Submit to God, resist the devil, and he will flee from you. The only reason we give in to temptation, I'm sorry, is because we want to. There's times we like sinning. Oof. Sinning's good at times. Sinning appears in job. That's the only reason Christians give in to temptation, because we want to. If you implement that, every time he goes, he flees. And of course, we misquote it by saying, resist the devil and he'll flee from you. No, submit to God. Submit to God. So that's the first promise. We're the tempter. Number two, the, the second problem is, he's an accuser. Revelation 12, 10 says that he is the accuser of the brethren and the assemblies of God and the Baptists and the Church of England, the oldens are the best. Yeah. But he's the accuser. But here's the promise. No weapon. Formed against you will prosper or prevail. And you will be able to refute every tongue that accuses you. The verse goes on to say, this is the uh, uh, image of the servants of the Lord. And this is their vindication from me, declares the Lord. So I think I'm a pretty reasonable bloke. I try to be. I sort of like nice. Don't mistake that for steely resolve. But I try and be, the things I've been accused of at times have been incredible. I mean, if only I thought of some of them, it would have been a good thing. But the reality is at times, often the enemy uses people. Twitter, do, 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 do. You know what? I read a church, do, do, do. Eat faceless emails, sometimes not even with a name at the bottom. Boop, 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 boop. <laughs> Accusations. Accusations. Here's the promise. When you are accused, you need to believe that no weapon 
No words, no accusation, no attack will prevail or prosper against you and that he will give you the authority to refute every tongue that does so. We sing, there's no wall he won't keep down, lie he won't tear down coming after me. And if you live with lies over your life, you need to claim the promise this morning. You need to overcome the accuser and you need to get free in Jesus' name. Number three, the problem is that he's a deceiver. Right there in Genesis 3, the enemy came, the serpent came to Adam and Eve and says, if you eat of the tree that you've been barred from eating, you will not die. They ate of the tree and they did die. He's a deceiver. But the promise is this, Psalm 119 verse 5 you could claim many of them. Your word is a lamp to my feet and a light to my path. Lord, which way should I go? He'll show you. He will bring illumination and protection to your life. And you will prove that promise in an amazing way. Here's what the enemy wants to do. He wants to dupe you. He wants to rip you off. He wants to fraudulently take from you your destiny and purpose. What takes place, friends, in the world today with fraud through the internet, in the spiritual realm, the enemy has been doing for years. And he wants to define you to be less than what Jesus has called you to be. Don't let him. Don't be deceived. But walk in the protection and illumination of the word of God, showing you the right way to go. Number four. Number four problem, he's a liar. He's a liar. The Bible says in that context there that the kingdom of darkness's language is lies. Lies, not truth. But the promise is you will know the truth and the truth will set you free. And we thank God for that. The enemy loves to speak lies over us he loves to say that you'll never be any good. You'll never make it. You'll never amount to anything. There are people here this morning in adulthood that are still defined by the lies spoken over you in childhood. And I'm confessing this morning that this is the morning you're going to get free from it. You'll know the truth. And the truth will set you free. Now, you may have been watching a bit of tennis the last fortnight. Here's what Boris Becker three times Wimbledon champion said this week, he was talking about living with celebrity. He says, we're living in strange times with celebrity status at an all-time high. But listen, this is not the truth. He says, how is success defined? If I have 10 million followers on social media, is that success? And he went on to say, we're living in dangerous times of what true value means. And there are a lot of things out there, friends, that are not true. And if you will come to Jesus, if you will yield to Jesus, if you will continue to submit to Jesus, I tell you, he can't do anything else by the life of the Spirit in you than to take you on the journey of truth. It's impossible. As, as Christian said you know, on another occasion recently, God is not a man that he should lie. He just can't do it. So claim the promise for your life. And number five, there's... I'm sorry to say there's more than five, but that's the, that's the time constraint. He's a destroyer. John 10.10, 10, the thief comes to steal and to kill and to destroy. 
I've come across Christians that sort of like have got a bit of a sentimental feel for the enemy. They think, well, he can't be all bad. Let me just tell you again this morning, he's all bad. He's all bad. He he wants to take hold of kids. Why do we have kids' church? So that we can push back on him wanting to steal and to kill and to destroy. Why do we spend time with young people? Because he wants to steal and to kill and destroy. We had a terrible story through arena this week about praying for somebody i won't tell you what the young man did he must have been in a terrible place but it was the enemy's work seeking to destroy but there's another part to this verse as many of you know and the part of the verse is the second part jesus says as a promise i am come that you might have life and you might have it in all of its fullness or more abundantly more abundantly That does not mean a party every night. The word for life there is Zoe. It means life of the age to come. And once you have tasted of the life of the age to come, which one day we're going to enjoy forever, you don't want to go back to the old stuff. There's no comparison. There's no comparison. And God wants you to have a revelation this morning of what real life is about. It's life with challenge. It's life that works through problems. It's life that faces situations head on. But it's a taste of the life of the age to come. And if you want an illustration of that, then please get hold of the interview between Lisa and Andy Twig from Radio Derby that took place last Thursday at the Hub. And uh, Lisa, many of us have listened to it, but Andy was just... uh, Wonderfully helping us uh, flag up serve day. He's a friend of Arena. He's been confronted with God that many times when he comes to Arena. I tell you, Lord, I'm believing Andy Twig's going to get saved. Amen. Amen. God's so spoken to him. It's amazing. And uh, so Lisa then begins to share. She shared off air and then with Andy's permission, very professional in his journalism, he asked if he could share some of that with Lisa. So Lisa knows Uh, and I've asked her permission this morning to mention this, the power of the destroyer. She knows that the enemy wanted to take her out, to steal, to kill, and ultimately destroy. But she's coming to Zoe. The life of the age to come, it's completely changed her life because she's confessed that promise over her this morning. And this is why we're in Arena Church, friends. This is why we're in Mansfield. This is why we're going to Belper. This is why we're going to Nottingham. That's why we're praying for Patrick and Lucille. That's why we're pioneering the hub, because it's good news. This abundant life is life of the age to come. That's why we're doing what we're doing. Now, as I close, five problems. I wish it was only five, but they're five that come in again and again and again, and a promise for everyone. I'm telling you, on the power and authority of the word, if you'll claim the promise, you'll deal with the problem every time, every time. But as I was thinking this week, I was thinking of one or two of the great old songs I mentioned to you at the beginning, and... um, I was thinking about my 21st birthday, which was a long time ago. And some of you, maybe you think it was a bit more of a landmark in that day, you know, key of the door and all those sorts of, can you remember? More so than 18. Now it's 12, you know, but, but, uh, but um, I, want you to, I want you to think about your 21st birthday for a moment. What presents you got or what presents you'd like. Maybe you'd like some money to go and get some clothes. Uh, maybe you'd like a couple of tickets for the cinema. Maybe you like some chocolates. Guess what? Somebody bought me for my 21st birthday a hymn book. <laughs> a hymn book. And I'm not kidding. To Philip, 
Not many people come. Sharon does when she's angry. But, but... <laughs> to Philip, best wishes on your 21st birthday. It's not in bad nick, 43 years later. I must have been 21 going on 50. I mean, why would somebody want to buy me a handbook? Anyway, <laughs> two six one. It's been going through my head all week. I was tempted to have an impromptu cup, but I thought I'll get in so much trouble with Julian Christian and the gospel. <laughs> but Robert Kelso Carter came out of the American Holiness Movement of the late 1900s. Some terrible issues in his life, failed relationship, health issues. But standing on the promises of Christ my King, through eternal ages let his praises sing. Glory in the highest. I will shout and sing, standing on the promises of God. And I was brought up on that stuff and somehow survived, you know. And there's still great hymns that speak into people's lives, but they're not for a contemporary prevailing church. But it's going through my head all week standing on the promises of God. As one preacher says, we're not called to be sitting on the premises. We're called to be standing on the promises. And we are going with the promises of God. And that man proved um, in his life that as he stood on the promises of God, they worked. And he had great musicianship as well and committed that to writing a great hymn. So it came in handy even this week. And... Uh, Christian and me actually love hymns. I do a lot of quotes from hymns. When I wrote the devotional some years ago, I quote a lot of hymns. And uh, we honour hymns. I, I always laugh when people say, well, we want the Wesley hymns. My question is, what do you do for the 750 years before he was... Sorry, 1,750 years before he was born? It was a contemporary song for revival. Booth wrote contemporary songs for a move of God. And all across the world, friends, in the last 50 years, there has been a contemporary song that has rose from the earth to touch heaven, reflecting the move of the Spirit across the earth. We ought to thank God again and again and again for Hillsong and for, 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 for Bethel and for all the flavors of worship in the earth today that have taken us to a whole new level in the purposes of God. And this morning, Annie and Kev and the team led us in a song that reminded us that God's promises are always faithful. And so we go back to where we started with 1 John chapter 4 and verse 4. Greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. I've tried to do it with balance we don't deny darkness. We're very, very conscious of it at times in the ministry of Arena Church. Arena, we have a problem. He's an enemy and he's a tempter, he's an accuser, he's a deceiver, he's a liar and he's a destroyer. But we've got the promises of God. The promises of God that resist him and he flees. The promises of God that refute every accusing word. The promises of God that by the power of the word take us in ways of protection and illumination. The promises of God that run to truth and not lies. And the promises of God that say, however the enemies try to destroy your life, the promise over you is that he has come that you might have life and love it in all of its fullness. Come on, Arena, let's live free. Let's live clean. 
Let's live strong. Let's continually find freedom. We cannot do it on our own. But Jesus has paved the way. As we stand on the promises, we counter the challenge every time. Let's pray.